Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. How we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. You know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. That's where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan say, for me to get to that point. Happy Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. So it's a solo episode today. So, you know, I keep the solo one short and sweet. We get straight to the point. So for those that are tuning in for the first time, I typically have a guest on. We dive deep into their backstory, like regardless of their their current success. We go into the backstory and we talk about overcoming obstacles, defying the odds, just you know, how they got to where they are. Because sometimes people can look at the current success and then formulate their own opinion of how they got to to where they got. But nine times out of 10, people have gone through hell and back to get to to where they are. So with that being said, I want to talk about struggling. Because struggling is something that we all do. And again, you can look at someone's social media page and people always talk about all the bells and whistles, the chocolate and the roses, but they don't talk about the stuff that's really going on within their lives. And so once I started doing this this podcast, initially, I don't really know what direction I was going to take it in. I just knew I wanted to get something going and to just help people either get out of their own way or just break through whatever fire they're in. But then once I started diving into people's backstories, started realizing like there were a lot of parts of their stories that they've never shared before, almost out of this is the 108th episode. But I would say three quarters of each one, once we go off air, people always say, I've never shared that before. You know, thank you for giving me me the courage to share that. And what I want to get through today is the the power of sharing your story. So I did, in a different group, I asked a question about what holds you back from telling your story. And I got a page full of of notes and responses from that post. And what people say is, you know, the fear fear of judgment, their story won't interest others. Some people don't want to be on camera. Some people don't... um, being unconventional, trying not to get emotional, being able to remember the chronological order, 
But I want to talk about the trying to not get emotional part. Because for the longest time, and I too am guilty of this, especially being being a man, is you know, we we associate being emotional with weakness. And that's furthest is the furthest thing from the truth. That's one of the strongest things you can do in this world is face facing being vulnerable, like putting yourself out there at your, and again, I hate to use the term, but at, at, we'll say at your lowest moment, but putting yourself out there to where other people are going to judge you or have opinions about what you have to say, but you put it out there anyways. Like people know my stances on race relations and critical race theory and the Democratic Party. And I get all kinds of kind of response. And by saying Democratic Party, that doesn't mean I'm aligned with the Republican Party. Let me just make that clear. So I'm a very down the middle independent, but I just really, really dislike the Democrats. So well, what the Democrats stand for. And, and taking those stances, I do get some people firing back on me. But when, when you stand firm in your, in your conviction, that's where, where the, the, the true strength lies. So it's not about being afraid to be vulnerable and worrying about what other people are going to say. But when you hold your ground, those people back off. I'm telling you, those, it's, it's repellent, right? Someone who is firm in their convictions is repellent to the trolls because they know that they can't get to you. So when you put your truth out there and you just own your truth, nobody can tell you what your truth should or shouldn't be. Like I have people telling me all the time because I don't jump on all of this racial stuff. And and again, and people who do more, more power to you. Like you have you have the freedom to view the world the way that you see it. But I also have the freedom to view it a different way. So I view the world through the lens that my parents raised me with. That's how I view the world. I'm raising my children to view the world through that same lens. And that doesn't mean other stuff doesn't happen in the world. That doesn't mean people don't struggle. That don't mean women can get demeaned in the workplace and that there's violence and bad things happening out there. Like, yeah, all of that stuff happens, but you can sift through it. You know, it's like none of that stuff has to affect your life. It only affects it if you let it. So if I apply for for a job and I don't get hired because the hiring person doesn't like me for the way I look, that's their problem. Like they have to live with that demon, not me. I'll just go find something somewhere else. To me, that just means I wasn't meant to work there. So, but there are some people that want to get up in arms about that. That's fine. Like you have that, that you have that freedom. And so the whole point of this is, is that whatever your truth is, share your truth, share it unapologetically, but don't let other people tear you down for your truth. See, so that's the thing with being vulnerable. You feel like if you put yourself out there, people are going to come at you and you're going to let them consume you. So if you let them consume you, then yes, I could see shying away from being vulnerable. But in being the vulnerable and owning your truth, you know what that does is that gives other people permission to do the same. So there's something that you're keeping inside that's eating you alive. Somebody else is keeping that same thing inside and it's eating them alive. And then somebody else is doing it. It takes one person 
to have the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to get on camera. I'm going to talk about the entire process of my father getting sick through to his passing. Whatever motion comes out, comes out, and I'm just going to own that truth. And then someone else who is still still grieving the loss of a parent might feel, you, you know what, maybe, maybe if I talk about it more, it will help me heal. See, so keeping those things that hurt you inside is not doing anything to help. It doesn't help you. It doesn't serve you. And more importantly, it doesn't inspire anyone else. So being vulnerable, it's not a weakness. It's a strength. Because when you can do that, when you can get up in front of a bunch of people and let your authentic emotion flows, that's a powerful person standing right there. That's a powerful person. The person that's afraid to be vulnerable, you know, the word afraid even says it. That person is the one that's displaying the weakness. Now, notice I didn't say they were weak. I said displaying the weakness because you're not allowing your true feelings to be shown. You know, so unless what you feel is going to hurt people, like physically harm people, you know, like some people are not going to like what you say. But again, that's their problem. That's not mine. It's like, it's not my job to make everybody see the world the way I see it. It's my job to share the world the way I see it and then connect with other people who see it the same way I see it. That's how that works. It's like, we don't try to, to fight the people who don't see it. And that's where like all of these, see like the Twitter wars and, you know, the Facebook trolls and, you know, where people just want to just get on other people's opinions and they try to get triggered and then those people fight back and then next thing you know it talks about education and history and you're this and you're that and i hope this happens to you and it's like what happened to the topic at hand see so that's what happens when emotions take over your rational thought so you can have you can have deep thoughts you can have deep discussions you can have vulnerable discussions you can have emotional discussions and that's okay. And if other people don't like what you have to say, you don't have to engage with that person. It's that simple. You know, so find the people who resonate with you. Find the people who truly have your back. And then the ones who don't, don't waste any effort on them. None. None whatsoever. And you will have a much happier and more fulfilling life. So, Rob, what does this have to do with struggling? So again, a lot of people struggle because they keep stuff inside. So like you have things that you want to do, but maybe you think that time has passed already. So you keep that within you. Maybe you're still hurting from a past relationship because you expected an apology or some something along those lines. Like that, that person cannot affect you unless you let them. That's where the forgiveness is on you. So you, you know what? That person didn't, didn't, um, apologize to me, but you know what? I, I forgive them. Like that's something that they have to live with. Like I remove that weight from my shoulders. So emotional control, that's what it is. So if you're struggling in your job, if you're struggling in a relationship, if you're struggling with a relationship with your kids or your siblings or whatever it is, just remember it's not on them. It's on you. You know, like if you reach out, and you keep reaching out and you keep reaching out and they don't respond, then that's something that they have to live with. At least you know you put your best foot forward. And don't say, well, I reached out and they didn't. It's on them now. It's like, no, no, it, like it doesn't work that way. So 
love love beats hate every single time. So the more love you put out there, at some point, that person's gonna reach back. But if neither of you reach, then that relationship's never gonna get repaired. See, so that's where you take charge of your emotions and don't let things trigger you. Then that way you'll be able to, to be vulnerable, share the truths of your life. Those truths will inspire someone else who haven't yet had the courage to share what's ailing them. And then that's a win-win. That's a win-win. And then those people that want to come at you for sharing your, your truth, don't even engage with them. Shut them right out. They mean nothing to you in that moment. Right? And I want to stress that in that moment because it could be someone close to you. It could be someone in the family. Again, it could be you know, a close coworker or a, a friend of a family. Like it could be that person that you can't completely cut them out of your life, but you can cut them out of the conversation. Like you, you have that power. Like you don't have to let anyone pull on your strings at all. So like once I learned that skill, cause 20, 20 years ago, oh yeah, I'd go to battle. I would absolutely go to battle. Maybe even five years ago, <laughs> you know, I would go to battle. But now I'm realizing, you know what? I don't, I don't have to do that anymore. It's like I'm, I'm in control of how I view things. So like if somebody comes up to me and you know calls, calls me a racial slur, I don't have to let that bother me. Like that, that's hate in their heart, right? That doesn't have to affect me. That's hate in their heart. That's something that they're gonna have to deal with in their life. That's not up for me to get all out of control and scream because that's what they want. People call people racial slurs to elicit a response. If you stop giving it a response, people will eventually stop doing it. We teach that to kids. You know, the li little boy's teasing his sister. And then the sister gets mad, the little boy laughs. Like, that's what it is. So then you teach the, the little, listen, just don't give him the attention. And then he realizes, oh, it's not fun, fun anymore because she's not reacting. Like, it's, it's, it's really that easy. But no, you know, something will, will happen between races and it gets blown up on, on the news and in the newspapers and it's shared all over social media. It's like, everybody needs to know this one thing happened. And what does that solve? What does it solve? It solves nothing. It solves nothing. You know, whatever somebody has in their heart, that's what they have in their heart. And don't come to me with this systemic stuff when we just had, had a two-term black president. Right. So no matter what's going on out there, that's systemic, you can still get through it. There's more successful blacks now than any other time in history. So I don't want to hear about that. So that is just another roadblock in the way. But if you have enough perseverance, you can bust right through that roadblock. All right. So that's all I got for you today. Again, I wanted to keep it under 15 minutes. If you need to reach me on social, it's at Robert B. Foster. Or you can join my group, Speak About Yourself Out Loud. Or you can visit robertbfoster.com. That's all I got for you today. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry. Go to my high school prom, which back then was a big thing. So, yeah. And it still is. So, but it's different now. Now you can go with your girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> so, um, men back then, you know, I just kept looking, looking for one that. Um, so in college, I didn't date very much. Just had a few, maybe male friends. Had a lot of girlfriends in college. Um, loved, loved college. Yes. Um, 
get away from it all. You know, it's like I began to come out. I was began to speak and have fun and engage in life. And then um, I graduated and I worked at a utility company in Cleveland. And I started to demonstrate. It's a good thing I learned how to speak because that job was speaking in front of groups of people, women, demonstrating how to cook electrically. And then going to high schools and teaching girls how to cook electrically. So I had to speak a lot. So that was my first speaking career. And I met a principal at one of those schools, and he liked me so much when they had an opening. He said, do you want to come and teach here? And I said, yes, I did. So I taught home economics. And somewhere in there, I was in my 22, 23, 24, I thought, I've got to get a man in my life. Because back then, everyone was married. My friends were having babies right and left. And I didn't even have a boyfriend. Okay. So I went to a dance, a singles dance in Cleveland. And I met a tall man. He fulfilled all the basic requirements of tall. He had a college <laughs> education. He was... Um, yeah, he was, I call him Mr. He'll do. Mr. He'll do. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mr. He'll do. Okay, I got it. Took me a second, but I got it. <laughs> he will do. He will do. It's like, well, I wasn't madly in love. I don't know what love was. Who knows what love is? You know what? <laughs> Most of us know. Anyway, um, so Mr. He'll do. So he was a good guy. Very opposite of dad, dramatically opposite of dad. And he um, took care of the family. He made money. He didn't make big money, but enough. And we lived humbly. We lived, he, We purchased a duplex. So the rent next door paid for our rent. He was very, very frugal. Yes. And um, so our life was kind of limited because we had to sock everything away. But anyway, I, I stayed with him until um, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kept complaining to my minister how lonely I was in this relationship. And he sent me to the Gestalt Institute of Cleveland for a personal growth program that lasted two years. Okay. Well, coming out of two years of personal growth, I realized the error of my ways, <laughs> the choices I made. <laughs> so I, I, um, I left him and the children, we pretty much joint custody. Anyway, okay. the children took it. Okay. It was, yeah, it was difficult, but. Anyway, yes. so then I left him and then um, I started working at a retirement community and my boss there said, now that you're liberated, why don't you consider dating women? And I went, what? <laughs> you got to get back in those days. Like when I was in college and things and I until I went to the Gestalt Institute, I didn't even know about lesbians. There was some psychologists there that there were new lesbians. Yes. So that's when I first started hearing about it, but I didn't know what a lesbian was. <laughs> so, wow. so anyway, this boss said, now that you're liberated, why don't you become a lesbian? I thought, well, that's strange. <laughs> Never thought about that. I'll look around, check more with these people at the Gestalt Institute, see what that's all about. <laughs> and okay. she, she actually took me away for a weekend. We were supposed to go on a group retreat with, several other women. And for some reason, all these other women dropped out. So it was just she and I. So it turns out, even though she was in a happy marriage, happy, happy, um, ch uh, one child, she raved about all the time. She came on to me and we ended up <laughs> being a couple for a while. Oh, okay. 
Okay. All right. So, all right. So, so what was that process like as you were exploring, exploring the idea? Well, I, yeah. Okay. So it went on from there. I started exploring the idea, but then the more I explored, I would, I would talk to lesbians and you can tell now I'm very verbal and I share everything. Yeah. I want to talk to people. And back then it wasn't cool to be a lesbian. You know, it was not politically correct. You couldn't, you know, people to work in an organization, you had to keep your mouth shut and yeah. you'd be real careful. So I interviewed all these women and I thought, you know, I think I'm really bisexual, so I can go either way. So as long as I can go either way, I'm going to stick with men because I want to be able to share and, and be out there and not feel feel bad about myself, yes. about choices I had made. Yes, yes. And, that, that's a, and that's a powerful statement. Like my... My nephew, we all knew when he when he was young, like uh -huh. we just we just knew, <laughs> you know, and so uh -huh. so he he came out. He, he wrote on Facebook like this long, this long coming out, coming out post. Uh -huh. And and, you know, he was just talking about how he struggled with it for the longest time, you know, but awesome. he had but he had to just own who he was. Uh -huh. And. He got so much love and support on that post. And Aww. the majority of the family, we were all like, dude, we all knew. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> we were like, we, we, were, we were waiting for you to realize it. <laughs> right? yeah. like we already knew. So, yeah. See, there's yes. people that are born, kind of born that way. And, you know, very early on, they know that. And yeah. that wasn't true for me. I'm, I'm clearly bisexual. Uh, yes, I have choice, and a lot of people don't have choice. Yes, yes. See, and when I met you at the, when I heard your pitch at the summit, because like I'm not afraid to have you know quote unquote difficult com conversations, and so in Connecticut, our neighboring state, the governor there, th this was maybe 20 years ago, but I guess the governor was married for like 36 years or something, and he he ended up coming out. And, oh, wow. you, know, you know, blind, blindsided his wife. Yeah. And it was, it was very, very public. Yeah. And like, and I was just always curious as to how does that work? <laughs> you know, so, well, so that, that was why when I heard you, I think you were two sentences in it. I'm like, I want to hear that story. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know. You know, cause yeah. Cause you spend half of your life thinking, thinking some, some way and like knowing what you know now, what, can can you look back twenty years and think I might have known then? Well, I knew. See, starting at age forty, when this boss said, "Why don't you consider being a lesbian?" I began thinking about it, and yes. then I began paying attention to women and what women I was attracted to and which women I weren't. And I kept that up for years. I, you know, that was when I was still in Cleveland. I moved to Atlanta and I was still saying, "Oh, I'll just pay attention." I don't know. Yeah. I, by the time I moved to Atlanta, the second husband was gone. Okay. I, I got married again yeah. very shortly after the divorce of the first husband. And that lasted for 10 years. So 